This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today I'm going to start this podcast off by admitting something to you that's quite embarrassing to me. I admitted when we first started the book of Romans that I'd never really dived into the book of Romans and broken it down quite like we are in this podcast. I have read it several times, but like I said, I've never really studied it like I have other books of the Bible. Um, We have finished the first five books of the book of Romans, and today we're going to start Romans chapter 6. Now, chapter 6 has something in it that, that people jump real quick to when when they're preparing to share the gospel with somebody or they're trying to convert somebody to Jesus. And that topic is baptism. Now, it's easy to turn to Romans chapter 6 to explain to someone what baptism is all about and how we are buried with Christ, as we say, uh, because we, Paul talks about being put in a watery grave and coming out a new creation in Christ. And that's 100%. I'm down with that 100%. not taking anything away from what Paul says and what baptism is whatsoever. Um, but since I've been studying the book of Romans and breaking down these chapters and, and in breaking down chapter 6, to keep it in context, I don't believe this chapter is about baptism whatsoever. Yes, it's mentioned. Yes, it's explained what baptism is and what it does. But I believe that what Paul is talking about is these Jews who he is writing to, to the church at Rome. There's Jew and Gentile. But in particular, in this context, he is writing since chapter 2 to these Jews who are guilty of continuing to live a life of sin, and they need to stop. And there's going to be a reason why he mentions baptism and explains to them once again what happened when they were baptized or fully immersed in water and we'll get to that he says in verse one he says well then should we keep on sinning so that god can show us more and more of his wonderful grace of course not since we have died to sin and that's that's the key right there since we have died to sin how can we continue to live in it if we've died to sin how can we continue to live in sin that's that's his whole purpose right there in chapter six So what I want to do real quick is just give a summation of the first five chapters. And then we're going to come back to verse 1 because it's it's just going to make more sense. In chapter 1, Paul talked about how the people rejected God and chose to live in sin. That's when he was talking about the homosexuals, the women sleeping with women, men with men. But not only that, but he, he gave a whole long list of sins that people commit. And then in, in how they have rejected God. Well, And then in chapter 2, he turns his focus to the Jews, God's chosen people. And he says, you're not to judge those who I listed in chapter 1 because you're sinners too, just like they are. And then in chapters 3 through 5, he gives a case of how these Jews do not have a relationship with God just because they're God's chosen people, just because they're the Jews, just because... There's a covenant made with Abraham just because they were circumcised, not just because they have the law, not because they do the works of the law uh, to earn a relationship with God. No, he says you got to have a change of heart, and that change of heart only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and to have the Holy Spirit, they have to put their faith in Jesus, their Messiah. And so then he uses the, uh, the, the father of the Jews, Abraham, to prove his case and how God counted Abraham as righteous because of his faith and not of his works. Then back in chapter 2, Paul tells them in verses 1 through 5, he says, You may think you can condemn such people, talking about the sinners in chapter 1. He says, But you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God, in His justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Sinners, they're going to be punished, period, whether you're Jew or Gentile. Since you judge others for doing these things, who do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. So in other words, you think you have a relationship with God just because you you're God's chosen people. You have a, the, the covenant made with Abraham. And and he's saying, that's not going to cut it. you got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have this relationship with Jesus Christ, you died to sin. So in other words, you should not be living a lifestyle of sin. doesn't mean you'll never sin, but you are living a lifestyle of sin. And you supposedly had died to sin and put on Christ. And he is given you this new life. He has filled you with the Spirit, which will bring you a new heart. And that new heart should lead you in a life of righteousness, right living with God and not sinful living. That's the whole point of Romans chapter 6. Because this thought is what starts his case about them not having this right relationship with God just because they're Jews. And then we come back to, to Romans chapter 6 verse 1. And he says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not, he says. It's ridiculous. Why would anybody think that way? Because since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And what Paul is doing here is he is expressing to them that they have died to sin. They have literally put on Christ, been buried in baptism, raised to a newness of life, and filled with God's Holy Spirit. That's what he's going to be saying in Romans chapter 6. He's expressing to them that they have died to sin and they got to quit living in sin. they got to choose to live a righteous life for God and not a sinful life because they, they, they have this mindset that God is being glorified by their sin, that, God, that people are seeing that God is more righteous because of their sin. He's like, no, this is absurd. Nobody should be thinking this way. You are to, you're supposed to be living a righteous life in Christ and not in sin. In Romans chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, the Jews who were continuing to live in sin was using God's grace to continue to sin. And Paul, he, he just calls them out. If you remember, uh, this is what he said. He said, but some might say our sinfulness deserves a good purpose, for it helps people to see how righteous God is. That right there, that's just crazy talk. Some might say our sinfulness serves a good purpose. No, there's, there's no good purpose coming from sin, except for it's, it's pleasurable to yourself and it gratify, gratifies the flesh, but it's sinfulness and it separates sin separates us from God. That's what he's been saying this whole time. So we're to live a righteous life for God, not a sinful life. He says, 
this is what people are saying. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? This is merely a human point of view. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would it how would he be qualified to judge the world? But some was well, some, but someone might still argue, how can God condemn me a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? That's just crazy talk. Why would you want to be a dishonest person when God calls you to be an honest person? And you're going to try to say that your dishonesty brings more glory to God? That's crazy. That's ridiculous. Some, and Paul goes on to say, some people even slander us by claiming that we say the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned because it's crazy talk it's crazy talk the more we sin the better it is that's absurd and and uh, that's when we come back to Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 and when Paul brings up baptism and what baptism is all about he says well then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace of course not he says since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? You died to sin. Quit living in it. Quit living a lifestyle of sin. How do we die to sin? Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus, and this is just one verse out of many. But Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. You see, our way, our desires are sinful. They're going against God and what God wants us to do. That's why Adam and Eve so easily took of that fruit and sin entered in. And when that happened, it just sinned. It just what, that's just what we want to do. We want to gratify our flesh. We want to do what's pleasing to ourselves. But when we come to Christ, we crucify those fleshly desires and we nail them to the cross, just like Jesus was nailed to the cross. That's why he says, take up your cross and follow me. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, the first thing you got to do is give up your own way. And if we're giving up our own way, that means we're, we're putting on somebody else's way. We're, we're, we're giving up our desires, and we're putting on Christ's desires. And he says, take up your cross daily, every day. Paul says, I die daily. Every day we have to make a decision. When we get up out of the bed and get going, we have to make the decision. I am going to live for Jesus today. I'm going. My life is going to glorify God today. Does that mean we're not going to sin? No, we're going to sin because that's what we do. But there's a huge difference in living a lifestyle of sin and accidentally messing up every now and then. Huge difference. Our desires... Our gratifications, we want to be, instead of pleasing ourselves, we want to please the Lord. We want to please God because He died on the cross for our sins. And we want to go to heaven and be with Him for eternity. So we have to crucify our desires, just as our selfish desires, our fleshly desires, just as Jesus died on the cross. Because that's what happened on the cross, death. Jesus died. And He was buried for three days. And he on that third day, He rose from the grave and came out alive. And that is what baptism is all about. Verse 3, Paul says, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So baptism is a grave, Paul says. We come to Jesus because we put our faith in Him. That's what He's been saying to the church at Rome. You've got to put your faith in Christ. 
uh, Abraham was justified by his faith, not his works. And, and he says, you've got to put your faith in Christ. So we come to Jesus because we put our faith in Jesus, which would be very difficult for Jews back then because they thought Jesus was a blasphemer. Many of them wouldn't even mention the name of Jesus because they thought they were blaspheming God. But he says, if you want to have your sins forgiven, you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to put your faith in him. And then we're baptized in a watery grave. We're fully immersed. We're dunked. We're put under a pool of water. We go totally under the water. And just like Jesus was placed in that tomb for three days, we don't hold people under the water for three days, but we hold them under the water for just a second or two, and we bring them back up. And it, just like Jesus rose up out of that tomb on the third day alive and showed himself alive many times over, and then 40 days later sent him back to the Father, we come up out of that watery grave. Our old man has been buried with Christ in that water, and we come up a new creation in Christ, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul discusses this in uh, verses 6, 1 through 11. He says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So baptism then, it, it unites us in Christ's death. So if you've never been baptized, you need to think about that. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. There's the key right there. Because we're now in Christ. We, we put our faith in Christ. We've been baptized in a watery grave. We've come up out of that uh, watery grave, a new creation in Christ. Now sin will lose its power in our lives because we're going to be feeding the Spirit and not the flesh. That's the key. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. And that's what, that's what he's trying to tell these people. You don't have to live a life of sin. Quit sinning. Don't think just because you're sinning that God is being glorified. No, he's not being glorified by your sin. So quit sinning. You've, you've crucified that old man. You've been raised to a newness of life. Quit living a life of sin. and Because sin should be losing its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Set free. That's what Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We're not held in bondage by the power of sin anymore. So quit living like that. You don't have to do that. You have a choice. Live for Jesus. Choose to do what's right. And since we die with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. It's all in Jesus. That, that, that is the key. It's all in Jesus. We can't do it ourselves because for ourselves, we want to go back to that old man. We want to go pick up that old man out of that watery grave and put him back on and live a life of sin. And Paul says, when you came to Christ, you died to the power of sin. You've been set free from the bondage of sin. So live like it. Quit living a life of sin and live a life that is pleasing to God in Christ Jesus. And that's the key is being in Christ. How did Christ live? Read the Gospels. Go back and listen to the podcast. We've covered every Gospel except for Mark, which we'll probably do after Romans. You want to know how Christ lived? Just read the Gospels and mimic Jesus and let the Holy Spirit work in your life.
If baptism is so important, why do we argue whether or not someone should be baptized? Why do churches even make it an option? So many churches today, even just leave churches out of it for a second, but just talk about individual Christians. Even they too give, uh, th- th- what they'll do is th- they make baptism an option. Churches, many churches, they, they don't even give an invitation at the end of services. They'll, show, they'll ask for a show of hands of people who want to receive Jesus. And they'll, they'll either say a simple prayer with them, and along with the whole congregation who says this prayer every Sunday, because they, they, they do this every Sunday, and, and they call it the sinner's prayer. Or they'll tell people to raise their hand and, and, and go off into some room after the service, because they're in a hurry to get that crowd out so they can get the next crowd in. And they'll go into this room and somebody will give them some further instructions on what they need to do, and which has nothing to do with baptism. It has something to do with uh, joining that church and how they should go th- through these classes so that they can join their church. And look, I've, I've, I've been to some of the biggest churches in my hometown of Maryville, Tennessee. I've read these, I've read these books. And, and the baptism has nothing to do with Romans chapter 6. And when somebody tells you to be baptized because Jesus was baptized, he give us an example. Uh-uh. Absolutely not. Jesus was never baptized for the remission of sins. Jesus was baptized to kick off his ministry. Never for the remission of sins because Jesus never sinned one time. That's why he died for our sin. So that we could be set free from the power, from the bondage of sin. We have died to our selfish desires. We have died to sin. And we are alive in Christ Jesus. And that only comes through baptism. Baptism. So why do we make baptism an option? It's not an option. It's absolutely absurd what the American church model has become when it comes to Christianity. It's nothing like the early church. I had a friend of mine who was a preacher tell me years ago, he says, he says, just do what they did and get what they got. Why complicate it? Why complicate it? Why make it an option when it's, it was never an option with the New Testament church? There was never a prayer said for salvation, ever. It was, they were told about Jesus. They, they heard about Jesus. They wanted to receive Jesus. So they were baptized for the remission of their sins and filled with the Holy Spirit right then, right there. I'll give you some examples. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41, the day of Pentecost. When Peter, when the, the Holy Spirit fell on the, the, the apostles, the 12 disciples, and they get, they're speaking in tongues and people think that they're drunk. And Peter stands up and says, no, we're not drunk. This is prophesied by the prophet Joel. And, and he, he preached to them about Jesus. There, all these Jews had gathered for the day of Pentecost to bring their first fruits to God. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands heard Peter's sermon. But about 3,000 people were obedient to what Peter said. And they're listening to Peter. And they say, when they realize that they have crucified the very Messiah that they've been looking for for a long, long time, they say, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, each, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized, fully immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is unto you, your children, to all those that are far away, 
all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. In the very next chapter, about 5,000 believed and were baptized. In Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, Philip goes to Samaria because of the persecution that has come to Jerusalem. He preaches the gospel. And, and here's what Acts chapter 8, verses 12 through 13 says in Samaria. But now the people, the people in Samaria, they believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. They were fully immersed in water, that watery grave, and they come up that new creation in Christ. And then Simon the sorcerer himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went and was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. Same chapter, Acts chapter 8. Philip is led to, uh, to the desert. There's an uh, Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot. He's reading the book of Isaiah. In particular, he's reading Isaiah 53. And the, the Holy Spirit tells Philip to catch up with that chariot and have a conversation with the man inside. And that's what Philip does. And so uh, in verses 34 through 39 of Acts chapter 8, it says, The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or somebody else? And so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him about the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And, the, and this is out in the middle of the desert, by the way. But they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Hey, well, Philip didn't say, well, you know, when we pull enough people together next month, we'll come back and baptize you. Philip didn't say, well, you can just say a prayer and be saved. Philip didn't say, ah, oh, you don't have to be baptized. That's no big deal. No, the eunuch saw the water and he told Philip, he says, there's some water. Why can I be baptized right now? And he ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away and the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Acts chapter 9, Paul himself, the author of the book of Romans, he was Saul at the time because he was persecuting Christians. He hated Christians. He has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. By the way, he was on the road to Damascus going to persecute even more Christians. And when he had this um, uh, encounter with Jesus, he was blinded. Blinded by the light. He was blinded by the light. And and so uh, he was sent to Ananias by Jesus. He was given instructions to go to Ananias and he'd receive his sight. And that's what he does in verse uh, in Acts chapter nine, verses seventeen through nineteen. So Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him, and he said, "Brother Saul, the the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to you that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit." And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he got up and was baptized, fully immersed in water in that watery grave. And he come up out of that water, a new creation in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. And afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Acts chapter 10, Peter is sent to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius, a Gentile man who worshipped God, but he was not a Christian. He worshipped God. And he only knew the God of the Old Testament. He didn't know anything about Jesus. Cornelius is praying. Peter's on the rooftop, falling into a trance. Angels talk, an angel talks to Cornelius, angel talks to Peter, and gets these two men together. Cornelius had gone out and gathered his friends and his family so that they could hear Peter's message about Jesus as well, about the gospel. And so Peter goes to Cornelius' house. There sits his friends and his family. It's a house full of people. He tells 
Peter and uh, Peter tells Cornelius and his family about and friends about the gospel, about what Jesus has done on the cross in that empty tomb. There was no prayer said for salvation, but here's what happens. As Peter is telling them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls on those Gentiles and they begin to speak in tongues just like it happened to the apostles in Acts chapter 2. There was a reason, a specific reason that happened. And it was to show Peter and his Jewish friends that came with him that God is now accepting the Gentiles into the church, that they are one. Just as Jesus had been telling them that this was coming, this day was coming, there were sheep that belonged to his fold that uh, was was not a part of his fold just yet, but now they are. I want to pick up reading verses 44 through 48 of Acts chapter 10. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. And the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they had heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. And then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized? now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Now the Gentiles are being immersed in water, coming up out of that water, a new creation in Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul gets the Macedonian call in chapter 16 of Acts. And he heads to Philippi where he runs into not men, but a group of women who are having a prayer meeting by the river. And he tells them about Jesus. And here's what Luke writes in uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. On the Sabbath, it was the Sabbath day, we went a little way outside of the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them, her name was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. And she and her household were baptized. They were fully immersed in water, that watery grave. They come up out of that watery grave, a new creation in Christ filled with the Holy Spirit. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Same chapter, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in jail um, because of, of preaching the gospel to Christ, of Christ, and an earthquake hits and it opens all the jail cells, but nobody escapes. The jailer thinks that everybody has escaped and he's going to kill himself because he knew that he was going to die if this had taken place. And Paul intervenes and he tells him not to harm himself because everybody was still there. And in verses 29 through 34, it says the jailer called for lights and ran into the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, guess what Paul doesn't say? He doesn't say, raise your hand if you want to accept Christ. He doesn't say, say this prayer after me. He, he doesn't say, go off into the another room and I'll, I'll explain to you what you need to hear about Jesus. That, Paul does none of that. None of that, which we do in our American model churches today. It's not right. It's false. This is what happens. The guy calls for lights, runs to the dungeon, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Sirs, what do I got to do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. So they've heard about Jesus. They're sitting there hanging out. The jailer washes their wounds. Now get this. 
Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Baptized, put in that watery grave, come out of that watery grave, a new creation in Christ, and filled with the Holy Spirit. They had died to sin. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. There's seven examples, seven Seven examples of baptism from the book of Acts alone. When the church began in Acts chapter 2 and on. Every example of the conversions to Jesus after the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2 and the church began. Every single one of them were baptized immediately. There was no prayer said. There was no sinner's prayer. There was no pulling of people together until later on in the month or next month to be baptized. Nope. There was no raising of hands to be saved. There's nobody being sent into another room. There's nobody even having Bible studies. They were simply told about Jesus. They were told the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. These people believed by faith, and they were baptized, fully immersed in water. They were put in a watery grave, come up out of that watery grave, a new creation in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. Seven examples, and there, there is not one example of the way the American church model is, is converting people to Christ today. Not one. So, if it's really that simple, and Paul is making such a big deal out of baptism, then why do we complicate it today? Why, why, why not just do what they did and get what they got? Why argue about it? Why say if it's necessary or not? It was necessary to the New Testament church. It's necessary today. Do what they did. Get what they got. Enjoy the and reap the benefits of living for Jesus. And knowing that your sins are forgiven. You've been set free from sin. You're living in Christ. You're going to die in Christ and go to heaven and be with Christ for eternity. Why argue it? It's simple. Do what it says. Get what they got. Follow the example that is in the Bible. Sirs, what do we got to do to be saved? Repent, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is unto you, your children, and all that are far off. Nothing has changed except for the American church model. Do what they did, get what they got. If I can help you in any kind of way, if I can pray for you, uh, any way that I can help you, if you're not even local, I can find somebody in your area that will help you follow Christ, that will, that will help you in your walk with Christ. Anything that I can pray for you about, contact me at thegrounditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text me at the number that is in the outro of the podcast. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We'll pick up with Romans chapter 6 in the next podcast. See you then. Thanks for listening to The Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share The Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.